0: for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development across our state, hosted by me, Jeff Rent, and brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. Ryan Miller serves as the executive director for Accelerate Mississippi. Now that's formerly the Office of Workforce Development for the state of Mississippi. The office was created by law in 2020 to oversee and coordinate state workforce development efforts. The office is focused on being a resource and advocate for partners who believe in Mississippi's people and wanna see more opportunities for high paying careers. Prior to assuming this role, Ryan spent nearly 13 years in manufacturing-based education at the Haley Barber Center for Manufacturing Excellence at the University of Mississippi. Ryan received his bachelor's degree in international studies from the University of Mississippi and the Croft Institute for International Studies, as well as his law degree from the University of Mississippi. Please welcome to Mississippi Prospects, Ryan Miller. Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Glad to be here. First of all, congratulations on your new position as executive director for Accelerate Mississippi. But first, let's dive into your background, kind of how you ended up where we are today, Mm -hmm. leading the state's new workforce office, Mm -hmm. Accelerate Mississippi, Uh, because you have a, a very interesting background background and pathway that led you here?
1: Yeah, no, I, I first of all, thank you uh, for the congratulations, although people have also offered condolences. I'm not <laughs> sure which one is more accurate, but maybe they're both applicable. Uh, yeah, it's It's an honor, uh, certainly a privilege to get to serve in this capacity, and, and I'm excited about the work at, at Accelerate, but it was somewhat of a circuitous path that brought me to, to this role. Um, for the last um, decade plus, I've been involved with the, the Haley Barber Center for Manufacturing Excellence at the University of Mississippi, and uh, that was a program. Program That uh, was uh, obviously, in in my opinion, a very innovative one um, that uh, I I had the fortunate uh, or had the fortune of being a part of from the very beginning. So it was a a unique program at the university uh, specific towards uh, getting students interested and prepared for careers in manufacturing. And I think. Almost 13 years later, um, you know, a lot of the things that we did there gave me the uh, maybe the the foundation that brought me to this uh,
0: Accelerate Mississippi office. And it's still a relationship and experience that you're going to be drawing upon.
1: Oh, no question. Uh, you know, the, one of the things that, that people will learn about Accelerate Mississippi is really at the end of the day, all we are is a, is an office of coordination, uh, an office that is, is really wanting to, to be a teammate to existing programs throughout the state. So whether that's an innovative K through 12 workforce, Program, uh, community college program that is doing a great job of getting getting students into into high paying careers, technical careers, or you know four year institutions uh, like the university uh, and the CME uh, that even today as we speak are are preparing uh, young men and women for for pro- professional careers in manufacturing. I think all of those are going to be teammates and partners of
0: Accelerate. So Accelerate, you know, you've been tasked with a lot of responsibility. Uh, after all, workforce is a key driver for economic development in every community in Mississippi and really the country. Mm-hmm. You know, companies now, they used to ask about incentives first mm-hmm. you know, years ago. And now it's, do you have the workforce? Right. Do you have a sustainable workforce? So because it's a new office, where do you start? You know, what's step one for you?
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, one of the things I learned at the CME, having worked with some really incredible people for almost uh, 13 years, um, and we, we focused on the idea of continuous improvement. How do you continually improve what you do? Um, and I think the, the starting point with that is understanding what, what is the current condition. Uh, so when I came into this office, I was, I was very uh, open and honest with anyone with whom I came in contact that, that the initial phase of Accelerate Mississippi was understanding what is the current condition. So where do you start? You start by understanding the landscape, getting out and trying to um, you know, better familiarize yourself with the programs that already exist that are trying to each and every day uh, get people into meaningful career careers, uh, whether that be through traditional training or traditional education, or even some, uh, you know, some, some new innovative approaches to getting people in those fields. So right now, uh, my task is uh, making my, my way around the state of Mississippi, hither and yon, back and forth, at least a dozen times, it seems a week, better understanding what is the current condition, uh, and then being able to identify where do we want to go? What is the ideal condition? And then developing a plan and a roadmap to get us there.
0: So give me your honest assessment mm-hmm. of what is the current condition mm-hmm. and how are you going to be able to bridge some of those gaps?
1: It's a great question. And I think it's an honest question. And I think what's important is that we we have an honest conversation by looking ourselves in the mirror for the state of Mississippi, looking in the mirror and being honest about the challenges that we're facing. I think what you'll also be encouraged by and maybe encouraged to hear is there's a lot of great things that are happening out in the state of Mississippi. There really are. Uh, I've been to multiple community colleges and have seen some incredible Programs led by by just passionate, committed people uh, in their communities uh, to try to help young people find careers right here in the state of Mississippi, and likewise help their local industry partners get the people that they need to be sustainable, uh, to, to be economically healthy. There's some great things that are going going on in the state. The problem is, in my opinion, it's not consistent, um, and and it's it's it isn't coordinated. Uh, one, of the, one of the, I think, gaps that we have faced over the last, really, couple decades is that we have done a poor job of coordinating our efforts so that maybe the best practices that are done in this part of the state can be shared, learned, and, and uh, you know, uh, deployed uh, in another part of the state. Um, what goes along with that is, as we have been somewhat disjointed in these efforts, um, that has also allowed for contiguous states around us that we compete with every single day for projects, not just projects that we want to attract to Mississippi, but companies we want to keep in Mississippi from going to our neighboring states. We're allowing them to tell our story for us. So the current condition is we need to do a better job of Uh, Coordinating our efforts, we need to do a better job of making it more consistent that that requires, um, I think, honest, uh, frequent communication amongst community colleges, IHL, uh, K through 12, economic developers and industry leaders sitting around the table. In different ecosystems or different regions of the state, on a continual basis, to make sure that everyone knows what's going on uh, and can better, uh, you know, coordinate their efforts to try to, to try to move the needle. When we're able to do that, then the storyline becomes our own, as opposed to Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee telling our story for us, especially to a company that might be considering Mississippi as their new home.
0: And talk about those competitor states, because one thing they've done very well is branding Mm -hmm. their workforce efforts Mm -hmm. and sort of single point of contact, right? Uh, if you go to one state, you'll get one program, and you know it by name. Mm. Is that one of the primary goals? Oh, absolutely. Accelerate Mississippi.
1: Um, you know, I, I like to think of it as a, it's you know a, 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 a shiny new uh, toy, right? That everybody's like, ooh, this is the new the, the new the new toy that everybody uh, is excited about. We we really want to have depth and substance to who we are and what we do. But at the end of the day, um, there is somewhat of a of a benefit to having a branded program that is similar. at least in, in name or concept to some of our, uh, our neighbors and our, and our competitors. Alabama has AIDT, Georgia has Georgia Quick Start, Louisiana has Louisiana Fast Start, South Carolina has Ready South Carolina. All of these are single point of contact groups or organizations who's, ta- who's tasked with solving the workforce issues in their state. Now I would argue that in many of these cases they tend to be very um, uh, narrowly tailored they're they're designed to do maybe one specific thing and I think accelerate where we're going to 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 have some differentiating qualities is that we're going to be involved in a lot more than just say customizable training or uh, you know involved in uh, in more than just making sure that um, this type of technology um, is is ingrained in some community college curriculum. We, we actually have a, a, an idea, a, really a vision that has us going into a much broader spectrum that differentiates us from these other programs that are often
0: kind of compared to what we're, we're trying to do. How can Mississippi differentiate itself from these competitors? Um, I don't even know where that comes from, you know, because I feel like Training programs or training programs. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I, I, and maybe a, a better way. That was probably a bit of rambling, which I'm prone to do. But <laughs> pro- probably a better way to, to show that differentiating quality is to is to say, all right, let's let's talk about another state. I won't call them out by name, but um, w- w- we'll just say that this organization um, for years has been very successful. Um, in working with industry and making sure that the particular industry uh, partners have the people they need with the skills that they need. They develop customizable training platforms for this company, but they don't work with their community colleges to do that. They, they have almost created a path for themselves that is uh, uh, autonomous from their community college system. I think the strength and the benefit of Mississippi is that we have v- a very strong community college system that's got a lot of incredible uh, resources available in it Um, and, and people that are there on those campuses. Right now, we're sitting on the Gulf Coast. The Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College has at least six campuses, all of which have incredible people doing incredible things with the latest, greatest technology to help meet the industry demands of the Mississippi Gulf Coast. The fact that we have as robust a community college sector as we do, that has a willingness to partner with Accelerate, that has a willingness to be a teammate with Accelerate Mississippi, that has a willingness to coordinate and communicate better, I think is really going to make us uh, a, a much more efficient and effective organization for workforce strategy development, then you might find in these neighboring states that tend to go do their one kind of narrowly tailored, one lane kind of, um, uh, you know, um, um, you know strategy development. They just, I think we're going to have a much more robust and much more diverse uh, toolbox to help attract new industry uh, to the state.
0: And often when we talk about workforce, what we're really talking about, uh, workforce development and training, a lot of it's manufacturing. mm mm-hmm but it's also a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. How can you work to target other sectors? I mean, healthcare, technology, I mean, there are so many areas of growth
1: Yeah. And that's a great, that's a great point. And I I always tell people that I tend to, you know, in in my mind, I always tend to revert back to manufacturing because my background background, is what I know, but I, but I, I, you know, I cannot fail to remember that so much, uh, of our, uh, workforce in the state of Mississippi is in the services, personal services, industry, healthcare, hospitality management. I mean, we're sitting in this beautiful hotel. They need people who understand how to make someone stay here, uh, you know, an, an incredible, uh, incredible experience. So, uh, workforce, uh, in the state of Mississippi is very diverse. And so you, you accelerate Mississippi has to be available to help all of these diverse industry sectors. I, I'll give you an example of kind of what we're trying to do uh, that that may help to address some of these things uh, a little bit more broadly. So Accelerate Mississippi is trying to design an ecosystem approach to how we uh, help and assist and support the state of Mississippi and its workforce efforts. Uh, Ecosystems throughout the state, uh, I mean that there are probably roughly eight different places, eight different ecosystems in the state that are somewhat unique in the fact that they have uh, a very, uh, you know, a different type of uh, population density. They have a different geography. And and in some cases, they have a completely different culture and a different different, um, kind of uh, lifeline if you will. Um, they also have different strengths and different needs. Um, so trying to uh, attack this problem as a monolith of the state of Mississippi, trying to address it as a one size fits all for the state, I think is, is something that is, um, isn't going to work. So Accelerate Mississippi is just devising an ecosystem approach that will bring to the table some of what I've already mentioned, those educators through K-12, uh, through 12, community college, IHL, our economic developers who understand the companies that they're trying to support locally, as well as companies are trying to attract to their uh, individual ecosystem. Policymakers, whether that's uh, a county supervisor, board of aldermen, uh, mayor, or even state legislature, uh, legislators, or even some of our federal delegation, making sure that they are, uh, or at least have a seat at the table to be aware of what's going on. And then most importantly, that you've got our industry leaders at the table, being able to describe um, in real time, here are the challenges we're facing. Now, that could be shipbuilding, that could be hospitality, hotel management, uh, that could be uh, food service, that could be healthcare, uh, that could be in the IT sector. It it is, as you mentioned, there's a lot more that goes into workforce than just manufacturing. But what we're hopeful is that as these ecosystems uh, really engage in this communication, this regular, consistent dialogue, we're going to see common denominators rise to the top. You know, one of the things I hear all the time, soft skill uh, development. That goes across every sector. I, I don't care if you are a, if you are a welder at Ingalls Shipyard. You've got to know how to, to engage a teammate in a way that uh, is constructive, um, that is encouraging, that is efficient, that is effective. There's a lot of soft skill development, even in that very technical arena, that is similar to what you might find in working in a, in a very uh, successful restaurant. Uh, chain. Now, you've got to be able to develop uh, a strategy that addresses a lot of these common denominators. So the ecosystem, I think, will help us address a lot of the issues that you see across the spectrum of workforce. And then obviously being able to pay special attention to those unique and specific challenges that each ecosystem is probably going to to bring to the table is, is certainly something that we intend to do as well.
0: So we've talked a lot about, you know, those key partners and mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of people at your table right now, right. or you're hoping to get them I'm to your to you. table. That's right. Yes. Um, what is, what are the most important things that the general public needs to understand of what you're attempting to do? Because at the end of the day, it's the public that benefits from this either through training or jobs or increased wages, upskilling, mm-hmm. uh, all of that. How do you engage somebody who's maybe not in the workforce right now and get them back in.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, you're, you're, you know, talking about a kind of a, (laughs) Uh, a a, a multi uh, headed monster, if you will. Right. So if I'm trying to get more people into the, into the workforce, there's a lot of different categories that, that would, would, um, would tend to touch. There are a lot of men and women out there right now who want to want better jobs. They want careers. They just don't know, literally don't know what steps need to be taken to get themselves into position to find that good job or that career. And so, you know, an approach to trying to uh, attract them or to, to uh, educate them on those might, might look decidedly different than uh, an eighth or ninth grader that's in school that is just now starting to ask the question, "What do I want to be when I grow up?" Uh, and even then, versus uh, uh, someone who thought they were going to be retiring um, in the next few years and realizes that a not only are can they not retire, but b they've also got to figure out something else to do, to diversify some of their skill sets. So uh, it's not going to be a one size fits all as to how we address the, each community and each of those sectors. Uh, but I do think the, the common uh, issue there is just making sure that the information is provided to them, where in, in some cases, I just don't think they've known what options are available to them. Um, Even now, we're talking internal in the office as to what is some of the messaging that we can put together now just to simply communicate the options available to somebody. You know, if if you're uh, if you're 30 years old and you're looking for a new fresh start in your career, what do you do? Where do you go? Who do you talk to? I think we take it for granted that people just intuitively know where to go to find that information, and, and I, I think that's a, that's a folly. So, um, I, I think developing the messaging to be clear and to be deployed in ways that reach people. So it's not just billboards. I, I had somebody uh, tell me once that uh, here recently, and hey, we got to put more billboards up. Well, bill, billboards do serve a purpose, but I'm going to tell you right now, my 11 year old doesn't read billboards. Uh, you know, she she is more fascinated with. Uh, I mean, if she could watch a Dude Perfect on YouTube 24-7, <laughs> she'd be a happy camper. The way they're absorbing information and the way that they receive information, the communicative nature in which uh, the young people are engaging one another is decidedly different than even myself of 43 years, 43 years young, I might add. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just different. So, um, you know, you're, you're, you're asking a question as to how do we get to the different community groups and how do we get to the different communities? I think it's developing the message and then figuring out what's the best way to deploy that message to, uh, in a way that they'll, they'll receive it well and be able to follow up on, on those opportunities that we, we give them.
0: You know, what I've also found interesting is I've, had consultants in the last few years ask me, you know, we, we think of maybe high school Mm -hmm. community college level, you know, or non-traditional students, certificate based training, but consultants have asked on more than one occasion, you know, what are your middle schools doing? What are your grade schools doing? Right. My mind was blown when that question started coming up because I didn't know Mm -hmm. not initially. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're engaging, you know, that K through 12 now, and how, how do you do that? Is, I mean, our career academies, you want to see more of those <laughs> or, but uh- I just wonder what you do to, you know, how do you start this with a third grader?
1: Yeah, well, keep in mind, too, I don't know about you. My college experience was I was uh, I was majoring in something, you know, pretty much everything the University of Mississippi had to <laughs> offer. Maybe some of those things I probably shouldn't have, too. But, you know, I, I think the idea that we're going to be convinced that uh, at 14, a kid's going to understand this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be with a career and then try to, you know, shepherd them into this one this one line um, is is somewhat uh, uh, you know, uh, nearsighted. I, I, I do think when we say K through 12, we mean K through 12. And so what I think we need to be doing, and I, I do think there are some uh, educators that are doing this, uh, even as we speak, you know, they are getting into, uh, early elementary age and trying to teach at least the fundamentals of working with your hands, solving problems as a team, um, critical thinking, not just because it's, um, it's good for human beings to develop these skills, but because it also helps to guide and direct as their brains continue to develop as their worldview continues to come into focus, we need to be giving them experiences in the classroom that are equipping them and getting them inquisitive to asking questions about how their education intersects potential careers. And there's, I don't think it's ever too early to really start that. We had some really young kids. Uh, I think we had some, some third grade and fourth grade classes come to the CME. Uh, we were trying to think, you know, how do you, I mean, we can take them to the factory floor and show them a water jet cutting machine and they're going to think, wow, that's really cool. But they're not making the connection between it, at least for the most part, not making the connection between what we're showing them and kind of a career path for themselves. So what we tended to focus more on is giving them team oriented games and puzzles to solve, to work together where they're having fun, they're collaborating, they're having to communicate. There's a little bit of a time pressure there where they're solving these problems in real time, because we thought fundamentally, let's just give them the foundation of what it's like to work with others using your hands so that by the time they do get to junior high, the time they do get to high school, um, this is not a foreign concept to them. And they are much better, I think, positioned to explore real avenues and real careers that might lean on some of these fundamental skills that they've developed.
0: And that's basically you know, foundational learning. Mm-hmm. You're, you're starting early, just building a foundation mm-hmm. that isn't directed at any one type of career pathway. Right. But uh, you mentioned the soft skills Mm -hmm. and we often leave that out. We think, you know, the hard skills, the the know how to work the machine or uh, write code. Mm. But one thing I've heard from employers over and over again is, you know, these our team is great, but I have people who they don't know how to show up on time Um, or they struggle with the interoffice communication. Mm -hmm. And. I've got to think that's also one of those important foundational skills that even at a younger age, we've got to be focusing on.
1: Well, I, I think so. And I, I, I you know, we, we certainly not to harken back to my CME days too too much, but it, it's certainly one where I think we, we, we tested a lot and experimented a lot with how we tried to infuse those soft skill kind of concepts into some of the more technical classes that our students took. For example, I mean, I had a mechanical engineering student from the Jackson metro area that came up. Incredible. Uh, Smart kid, highly intelligent, um, you know, probably test scores off the charts and incredible GPA. Uh, But we put him in front of a group to make a presentation just on simple information. And he physically shook. The idea of standing up in front of people and trying to convey something or communicate something, even something for which he had great command, even something over which he, he had complete control, terrified him. And so we we realized very early on that part of the educational experience for a CME student has to be um, pushing your comfort zone and also having real consequences to responsibilities that you're given. So if they are unable to complete an assignment on time, if they're if they're um, if they're late by even a minute, we had one person once who turned in a project a minute late. And they didn't get credit for it. And I tell you what, this is one student, one project out of the multiple in a semester. We got a lot of angry phone calls about that one. You know, grandma, grandma, uh, grandma, grandpa, mom and dad, aunts and uncles. how, How dare you? This is ridiculous. Be gracious, be forgiving. And we're like, well, we're actually, that's exactly what we are doing. Because the more that this student learns that the real consequences to deadlines and to responsibilities as a team leader here now, Uh, the more likely they are to be successful in the real world where they're going to hearken back to that. Oh man, I remember when I turned this project in late, that did not go well. It's probably going to be even more impactful in the real world. So it's giving them more opportunities to to develop those soft skills in their technical learning, but also having uh, those real world consequences attached to some of the things that they do. I think that really prepares them, uh, or at least from our, our experience at the CME, did a great job of preparing them for careers.
0: So at the end of the day, and I think we're going to look into the crystal ball, maybe, uh, and I'll hold you to it in about three to five years. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you and everybody else. (laughs) What you know in your eyes? What? How are you going to measure success through your efforts?
1: Yeah. You know, that, that's actually a question that I'm, I'm even still asking. Um, and that may be a somewhat of a moving target because everybody has their two cents as to what what is the metric that we need to use to determine success. Um, I can tell you that I think from a 40,000 foot uh, perspective, um, I want to see more Mississippians in higher paying jobs. Um, I want to see uh, more people moving to the state of Mississippi for careers. Um, these are grandiose Mount Everest types of things. But I think if we don't, uh, that's one of the things in Kaizen, continuous improvement thinking, if you do not set your goal uh, beyond your reach, you're gonna become complacent. If you have set your goal uh, to a limit that is, uh, you can a cognitive, cognitively know is beyond your capability, it's going to drive you to continue to move toward it. Some people would say they would just give up and quit. But from, from my perspective, if, we're, if, if we become complacent setting goals that are easily attainable, what are we doing? We've got to set goals that are big, that are bold, um, and that really push the envelope in our, co- our comfort zone. We need to see more of Mississippians in higher paying, higher skilled jobs building generational wealth and families that may never have experienced that before in their lives or even in their parents' or grandparents' lives. We need to see more people moving to Mississippi who recognize that this is a place in which they can raise their family, have meaningful careers, and have a great quality of life. And not just say those things, but actually build a social infrastructure right along with the industrial uh, infrastructure uh, to see to it that that people want to make this their, their home. So I think if I'm measuring success, it's it's a it's a um, uh, you know maybe a, a average income of a home is going up. I don't know how by how much or what percentage so don't hold me to that in this crystal ball analogy uh, and it's seeing a population uh, that instead of declining or even being flat is seeing some uptick in growth uh, that maybe there's a correlation between that and some of the economic economic development projects that we've been successful with
0: He's accelerating Mississippi's workforce offerings Ryan Miller. With Accelerate Mississippi, thanks for joining us. It's
1: my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Entergy, Mississippi Power, Tennessee Valley Authority, Watkins and Eager, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, and produced by MWB Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDCinfo.